Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. My name is Justin Cross, and guys, you are, if you don't love today's podcast, uh, something something may be physically wrong with you. I'm just saying, you may want to go see a doctor or a therapist or a doctor slash therapist, uh, because those those do exist. Um, I mean, you don't necessarily, it's, it's like you don't want somebody who specializes in too many things, like maybe just go see the doctor or the therapist, like you don't. Like if it's like getting one of those shampoos where it's like a like a five in one, like I don't know how good it's doing when it comes to moisturizing. Like all right, shampoo, some basic body wash, I get that, but like when it starts to get into moisturizing and ball soothing, like you never know how good that actually is. My point is this. I don't even know if I have a point. My point is this. You're going to like today's episode, and I, 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 or I, I think you will. Maybe you won't, but I think you will because it's with the president and co-founder of Farm Sanctuary. Uh, he was uh, like the first ever to establish a shelter for farmed animals. Uh, he, he got it all going back in 1986, rolling around, I'm not kidding, in a VW bus at Grateful Dead shows uh, selling veggie dogs. Um, that's how the whole thing got going. Gene Bauer was my guest, and uh, it was such a cool interview. In fact, I tell him uh, personally that, you know, rolling around in a VW bus at Grateful Dead shows, that's basically my retirement plan. Um, so, you know, half the interview was about his organization, and half the interview was just about me being like, what's a cool camping spot in Montana? Um, because that, you know... It's interesting. But we talk about his own, like, we talk about Gene's journey into becoming a vegan. Um, we talk about, like, you know, the, 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 the newfound, like, all this crazy cool news about how Burger King is adopting the Impossible Burger. Like, I was at a bar just last night, and they did this commercial about the Impossible Burger at a place called Burger King. Like, that doesn't, like, that, that's impossible. Um, I tell him about my experience at uh, Carl's Jr. on Valentine's Day buying my girlfriend a uh, a Beyond Burger um, because that's how I treat a lady on Valentine's Day, guys. I'm a romantic. Um, and you know what? Like, he is. What's the coolest part about this interview is whether you are a meat eater or you're a vegan or you're somewhere in between, like myself, who's a who's a pescatarian. I think you'll listen to this and appreciate how non-preachy Gene is and this is clearly a guy who you know Time Magazine called him like I'm, I'm totally messing this up because it's not in front of my face but something like the conscience of like the food movement um, something very similar to that if, if not exactly that and I mean he is somebody who, who knows his stuff so well and has been in this for such a long time but at the same time he is excited about all the cool stuff going on, and he's not preachy whatsoever. So if you are somebody who eats a lot of meat, or if you're somebody who doesn't eat a lot of meat, but you're not a vegan, or you're a vegan, like wherever you are on the whole spectrum uh, of, 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 of eating meat, like um, I think you'll, you'll appreciate this interview, and it'll hopefully, hopefully help you strive to be a little bit better when it comes to all this stuff. Um, in fact, when I got done with the interview, I talked to my girlfriend, and, and she lives an hour away, but
but I was like, we should do like a vegan Saturday. And, um, and so she came in town and I live by a lucky, which if you're not familiar, uh, it's a California chain and they specialize in having a security guard standing out in front of their store. Uh, just basically all operating hours. Um, and I also, I hear their potato salad is, is pretty solid too, but you know, it is a place that I say that because there are not a lot of vegan options. And we went up there this Saturday. It was our first vegan Saturday, and we both got uh, we both had had food poisoning early in the week. I got it originally, and then I, I passed it on to Allie because uh, you know I'm a giver. And uh, and anyway, I went up there, and I did not have much of an appetite. And I, I looked around, and there wasn't a, I'm not gonna lie, there wasn't a ton of vegan options. Um, I'm pretty sure the vegan stuff was was like in the exotic food section of the store, but we were able to walk away with some pistachios, some veggie dogs, and uh, the point is, is like, even at a place like Lucky, there is convenience not too far from you, and uh, if you if you ever just want to get a little healthier, or you want to be more environmentally conscious, or you you care about the animals a little bit, like. I hope you listen to this, and I hope you enjoy it, because I sure as hell did. Um, and pass it along to your friends. Tell people about it uh, if, you, if you enjoy this. Uh, here is my interview with the president and co-founder of Farm Sanctuary, one of the truly the greatest human beings on the face of the planet, Gene Bauer. Today's podcast is brought to you by our longtime sponsor, Capital Chill, D.C.'s dopest spot for sweet treats. Back again, apparently with tons of cash to burn on podcast advertising. New flavors for summer include AOC Acai, the Alex Jones, which is just a large bowl of ice cream with four times the daily recommended dose of caffeine with a dash of cocaine and commercial-grade gasoline, and our best seller, the Chili Bill Bar which is just a cup of ice chips. Uh, but at $1, you can't beat that price. Mention the podcast and get two free Muller crullers. These things are so dry, we can't give them away. Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. My name is Justin Cross, and today my guest, he is the president and co-founder of Farm Sanctuary. Uh, he's been called the conscience of the food movement by Time Magazine. And if you Google his name, folks, or you look him up on social media like I do, uh, and you see all the amazing things that he does for animal rights and the environment, uh, I promise you, uh, you will feel extremely guilty. Uh, he's written a book, a very popular book, called Living the Farm Sanctuary Life, The Ultimate Guide to Eating Mindfully, Living Longer, and Feeling Better Every Day. Gene Bauer, thank you for being my guest. Absolutely. It's wonderful to be with you here, Justin. Uh, I swear to God, if, if empathy was a human being, it would be you. Because uh, you are, <laughs> you are uh, just, just an amazing person. I know you've been uh, an active activist for a long time. Uh, I actually read you began your career as an animal rights activist selling veggie hot dogs out of a VW van at Grateful Dead concerts. Is that right? That is correct, yes. That's how we funded Farm Sanctuary back in the early days, from 1986 to 1989. Oh, my God. That's a, see, that is wild. Like, and, I mean, you can be real with me, Gene. I mean, this is a low-budget podcast. Are you, like, was it, 
was it actually veggie dogs or was that was that just kind of a front store for like organic mushrooms? <laughs> no, it was, it was veggie. They, we, they were linkets. They came in a can, so we could take cases of them on the road. And in addition to selling the veggie hot dogs, we did education about factory farming, and we had a table there with literature and display and information, and we would encourage people to eat plants and eat veggie dogs instead of animals. And so that's been around farm sanctuary since the beginning, the idea of exposing the cruelty of factory farming and promoting plant-based eating. And, and how did you, like, I want to get into farm sanctuary in, in just a minute, but, like, how did you personally become, uh, how did you become a vegan? Was it just, like, when you were, when you came out of the womb, were you, were you not eating meat, or was it, you know, Oh, no, no. I, how did it work? No, I, 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 well, I grew up, like, everybody around me eating meat without really thinking about it. And, in fact, I actually grew up in Hollywood, California, and when I was younger, I did commercials for places like McDonald's in Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> as an extra. So that's how I earned money in high school and college. And um, so I didn't really think about it, but I also grew up at a time when I saw the harm that human beings were causing to the planet, uh, to the environment. Uh, up near where my parents live in the Hollywood Hills, I remember beautiful oak trees being cut down so that houses could be made bigger. I saw dogs hit by cars in the neighborhood, deers, deer who were injured uh, by human activities in the neighborhood. And I just didn't want to be part of a system that was causing so much harm. So as time went, I started volunteering with human rights organizations and environmental organizations. And then I learned about factory farming in the early to mid-1980s. And that happened when I traveled around the country, met different activists, got involved with Greenpeace and other con and consumer rights organizations, and learned about our food system and how harmful it was, and recognized that it was possible to be vegan. So I went vegan in 1985, co-founded Farm Sanctuary in 1986, and started investigating factory farms to document firsthand what was happening. And we found living animals in trash cans or living animals who were thrown on piles of dead animals. So we started rescuing them, and that's how the sanctuary began. And back in 1986, Farm Sanctuary was the, the only organization doing this. Now there are hundreds of farm sanctuaries around the country, and so it's a movement, which is very good to see, and there's more awareness now than ever. There have been laws passed to combat some of the worst cruelties of factory farming, and we have a very vibrant vegan plant-based movement afoot and uh it's an exciting time to be a vegan it really is and i mean we were talking just a minute ago about uh you know what's happening with uh like burger king now adopting the impossible burger uh carl's jr has the uh the beyond burger uh which uh i'm not kidding i actually got my girlfriend for valentine's day that was our, our dinner because uh, i'm a romantic gene i'm a romantic um but, but like, how cool is that for you? I mean, you've been at this, like you said, since the eighties, I mean, it, just over the last 30 years or so, like, how has it evolved? I mean, in, in how, like, where do you see this going in the future as far as like the convenience of eating meatless meat and, and just where, where you feel like the movement's going? Well, I think that changes are happening very fast now. I think that businesses are now starting to invest in plant-based alternatives to animal products, including, you know, companies that have a long history in animal agriculture. So when you see Tyson, for example, 
starting to invest in plant-based meat, you know you're making progress. But when I went vegan back in 1985, it was a lot harder to find vegan food. In fact, for milk, we oftentimes had to mix powder with water to make soy milk. Now you can go into mainstream grocery stores, and there's not only soy milk, but there's almond milk and cashew milk and hemp milk and, you know, a wide variety of different kinds of plant-based milk to replace cow's milk. And also you have all kinds of plant-based meat to, to replace meat that comes from animals. So it's a very exciting time. And I think the fact that businesses are investing is a very good sign, and it shows that they realize that there is opportunity here. And I think the more accessible and easily available it is to find plant food, the better, because then consumers will start purchasing those products, which means that they're not purchasing animal products. And that means that animals are not going to have to suffer. Right, right, exactly. It's, 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 it's amazing to me how when something becomes just easy and, and you know, consumable, uh, for lack of a better yeah. term, I mean, it, people will adopt it. You know, it's it's. I hate to say it, but I feel like we're we're kind of lazy. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, and if no, it's like I totally do. Cases, I mean, it's, you know, we we do what is easy, and we also do what we see everybody else doing. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up eating meat because everybody around me was eating meat, and I didn't really think about it. And we are social animals, so um, we grew up in a certain culture where certain things are normal. And the more that we can see plant-based foods being normalized, the better. And it's not only better for animals, it's better for ourselves from a health standpoint. It's also better for the environment. Uh, Animal agriculture is one of the top contributors to the most significant ecological threats our climate faces, including the climate crisis. So eating plants instead of animals helps animals, it helps us, it helps the earth. Yeah, it, it seems it seems pretty logical when you when you put it like that, Gene. <laughs> you make it a little easy. Uh, to, it is, it is logical, but the thing is, humans are not always logical, right? Yeah. You know, if you look at the way we eat in our country today, we're eating food that makes us sick. I mean, that is completely illogical, but it's what we're doing, and and as a result, you know, people are are dying of heart disease much younger than they should be. They're suffering. They're going on medication. And, you know, we could save something like 70% on healthcare crunch in the U.S. by shifting to a whole foods plant-based diet. So that would be rational and logical, but we haven't quite done that yet. But hopefully, <laughs> as time goes, we'll, we'll move in that direction. By the way, let me just throw out a suggestion. If McDonald's decides to come out with a, a meatless burger, you know, or a vegan burger, they need to bring you back for the commercial. Okay. I just sounds great. That would I feel like it would it would all it would truly that would be the circle of life right there if uh, if they bring you back to do that. Um, That'd be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by the Democratic presidential nominees who are officially brought to you by the band R.E.M. Biden, Bennett, Klobuchar, Sanders, Booker, Buttigieg, Gillibrand, Harris, we didn't start the fire, but we could field a hockey team with all these nominees, we didn't start the fire, it was always burning since Trump's been squirming, Hickenlooper, Swalwell, Warren, Beto, Bolton, Ryan, Yang, Gravel, we didn't start the fire, we could field a hockey team with all these nominees. Yeah, you get the picture.
Um, so let me ask you about Farm Sanctuary. Uh, like, what? How did it get started, and and um, how has it grown over the years? Well, we did start it by selling the veggie hot dogs and also by doing investigations because we felt that it was important to be able to speak with firsthand experience of these places. And we didn't really have a long-term plan to create an organization that would grow the way Farm Sanctuary has. We just saw that there was this problem with factory farming. We believed that if people saw what was happening, they wouldn't want to support it. So that was our initial thinking. Go in, document conditions, expose those. Consumers would see how bad it is to the animals and how bad it is for our health and the environment. And they would make a logical choice not to support it, and they would all go vegan. That was our sort of simplistic thinking <laughs> back in the 80s. Um, I've now come to realize that we are dealing with systemic issues, um, belief systems, as well as socioeconomic systems and government supports and infrastructures. And, you know, right now, the farming industry gets billions of dollars every year that support animal agriculture. That money should be moved away from supporting the system that causes so much harm. And in fact, I think some of the money that's gone to dairies, for example, should be used to transition these dairies into plant-based agriculture. <clears throat> There's so much opportunity in the plant-based agriculture space while we have a glut of cow's milk. But unfortunately, our government programs still enable the mass production of cow's milk that we are not consuming. So it's completely illogical from that standpoint as well. But farm sanctuary has grown, and I think that we sort of tapped a nerve uh, that people feel bad about factory farming, and they feel good about seeing animals who are healed and able to enjoy life. And so currently, Farm Sanctuary operates two sanctuaries for rescued animals, one in Watkins Glen, New York, up in the Finger Lakes region. It's really beautiful there in the summers, and one in Acton, California, near Los Angeles. And these are both open to visitors, and we encourage people to come and get to meet the animals and, and learn their stories. Uh, but there are now hundreds of farm sanctuaries all around the country and around the world. So there's many of them now. And I think basically we inspire each other. We learn from each other. And so uh, more and more people are recognizing that farm animals, just like cats and dogs, have feelings and they have memories and they develop relationships and they want to live just like all of us do. And it's also obvious when you are in a sanctuary that the peace that these animals possess is is healing for us. You know, kindness to animals is also good for us. And if you contrast that to what it's like to visit a factory farm or slaughterhouse, the difference is palpable. And I think most people want to live in a peaceful, compassionate world. And, uh, you know, being with animals in a positive way it doesn't, isn't only good for animals, it's good for us. It actually helps to lower our blood pressure, lower our stress levels. It's a win-win. So we try to create those kinds of experiences uh, at Farm Sanctuary, and then we encourage people after they visited, or even if they just heard about Farm Sanctuary, to start trying to think about farm animals as friends instead of as food and start eating more plants and fewer uh, or no animal products. And, it's, and it's, again, it's a win-win. It's good for the animals, it's good for us, it's good for the planet. Well, and how, so I'm, you and I were talking before about how, like, you've, you know, when I first saw you, it was um, uh, watching The Daily Show with Jon Stewart uh, several years ago. 
Um, and then you were saying that you were just on, on Tucker Carlson's show, and, and I told you that uh, I happen to miss that episode because I don't like <laughs> Tucker Carlson. But, like, what is it like for you talking to different types of groups and different types of individuals? Like, for me, like, I'll be honest, I'm not a vegan. I'm a pescatarian. And, and the reason I am is because it sounds pretentious and I live on the coast. But, um, <laughs> but, but like... Do you like how do you like how do you talk to people and sort of meet them where they're at, you know, because they're not yeah. always going to be I feel like a lot of people feel like going vegan can be an overwhelming like, yes, I want to do better out for the environment. I want to, you know, I, I want to be better with animals. But you know what? I just like I really love cheese. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> with farm sanctuary and the way I like to approach it is, you know, to speak to people where they are on their own journey. And every time somebody takes a step, even if it's a small step towards compassion, that is a good thing. And um, I realize that being vegan for many people can seem daunting and can seem scary. And unfortunately, in some cases, you know, it can seem elitist. And, and in some cases, vegans haven't done ourselves any favors in terms of not being very kind to humans, which is a real issue, I think. But, um, for me, it's really an aspiration to live as kindly as possible. And that means helping people to eat healthier food, to live in a way that's more aligned with their own values. Because most people are compassionate and would rather not cause unnecessary harm. You know, whether wherever they stand on the political spectrum, most people would rather not cause unnecessary harm. And I think also most people would rather eat food that is nourishing and promotes good health instead of food that makes them sick. And I also think most people would rather support a food system that's not destroying the planet the way animal agriculture does. So if we can identify these common values and these common interests and speak from there, uh, I think that we're able to move the ball forward. So that's a big part of what I do is just trying to find common ground. And, um, you know, John Stewart, you know, recognizes all of these impacts of animal agriculture, including the harm to the environment and the harm to workers. People who work in factory farms and slaughterhouses have it very difficult. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to work in a slaughterhouse where for eight hours a day, your job is cutting the throats of animals? I mean, that is bad for the animals, but it also does harm to the human psyche and the human heart. So, and, and then with Tucker Carlson, I mean, he's actually a pretty big animal person, believe it or not. And, you know, I, one of the points I made with him that he agreed with was that, uh, you know, human beings do have a lot of power over other animals. And with that power comes responsibility. And so it is, we are responsible for the harm we're causing and we can do better. We do not need to cause that kind of harm. And in fact, we don't have to be killing and eating animals. Ultimately, um, a lot of people, you know, will take a little while, I think, to get to that point. And part of it's because we are creatures of habit. We're used to doing things a certain way. And changing that takes time, especially when you have these massive infrastructures in place that are pushing meat, dairy, and eggs, you know, on, onto tables across the country. So that's where the infrastructure side and the systemic side uh, comes into play, I think. I'm curious, like, did you ever experience, uh, you know, kind of any sort of, when you were visiting these slaughterhouses, and I know you, 
I imagine you probably still do in, in you know the all the work that you've done but a lot of it's not you know obviously like a lot of what you've done has been going into these slaughterhouses and going into these stockyards like did you ever experience yourself sort of a secondary trauma and I mean and I ask that because I think that a lot of people uh, are scared to, to watch documentaries that, that you you know have created or that other people have created um, just because like they don't want to know where their food came from. Um, yeah. How, how, yeah. I guess I'm just curious, like from a human experience, how, how you sort of have dealt with that and how maybe, you know, how, how can they, mm. how can somebody who's considering uh, reducing their meat intake or going vegan or going veggie or going, you know, pescatarian, how, how, how do they do that? Right. Well, you know, it was very difficult to go into these factory farms and stockyards and slaughterhouses and see the violence that we were perpetrating on these other animals. And in fact, rescuing animals was a way that we could heal ourselves as well as healing the animals. Watching an animal, for example, who was barely able to lift their head, recover and start to stand and to walk and then eventually to run and to play. Uh, it does something very positive to us that is very healing. And so for me, the sanctuaries were a way of healing the trauma that I was witnessing during my investigations. And for people who have a difficult time looking at these cruel images, I completely understand that. And the, the cruelty that we do perpetrate can be traumatizing and disturbing. It's obviously horrible for the animals. But it's also bad for us. And um, so a lot of activism recently has been focused more on the solution, promoting healthy plant-based food. And when people start eating healthy food and plant-based food, um, they've now participated in solving the problem, and they don't necessarily need to see the horrible images. So that's where I think you know, some of the most effective activism these days is making vegan food accessible, you know, even through fast food places. Or, you know, going to potlucks or company events or parties with, with friends and colleagues and bringing vegan food and showing just how tasty it is. Um, or if people like to cook, to get creative in the kitchen and try making different recipes without animal products. And so it can be an inspiring journey to try to live more kindly over time uh, and to do it incrementally. You know, I don't, it's hard for people to go from, you know, A to Z overnight. So do it incrementally. You know, also good advice is to often choose more ethnic foods because historically human beings have been primarily plant eaters because plant-based eating is much more efficient than animal agriculture. It requires far more resources to raise animals for food than just to eat the plants directly. You know, in the U.S., for example, 10 times more land it's used for animal agriculture as opposed to plant-based agriculture. So so it, it just makes sense to go that way for a lot of reasons, but you take steps incrementally. You know, maybe participate in meatless Mondays where one day a week you don't eat meat, and that's very feasible compared to going vegan completely. And then you start feeling out what kinds of foods you like, what kind of recipes you like, and, and oftentimes people see it's not as hard as they, they want to leave to, to, to go completely plant-based. Yeah. Yeah, in in it's I think like just from a branding standpoint, the more like I, I'm gonna have to maybe brainstorm a few ideas to encourage folks because the alliteration is key. 
you know, meatless Mondays. That's that's that just sounds good too. Um, yeah. <laughs> is brought to you by Timex, the official timekeeper of the Melania Trump divorce countdown. I got yeah. a few more questions for you. Um, and this is just, this is a personal question and maybe people will, will relate to this. Uh, I've tried, so, so one thing that I have issues with is I like cheese. And... Uh, I tried eating a vegan cheese pizza one time. It was a, several years ago when I lived in L.A. And uh, I'm not going to lie, Gene. It kind of sucked. Like, mm-hmm. what, what do you recommend for me if I'm going to do, a, like, a vegan Monday? I, see, I can't – no alliteration there. But, like, if I try to do a <laughs> vegan Monday, like, what, yeah. what kind of cheese would you recommend for me? Well, well, you know, actually, the plant-based cheeses are getting to be much better than they used to. So we're making a lot of progress there. Oh, and, you know, one of the companies that's coming up with some great cheese is Miyoko's. They're based in the Bay Area, and they tend to make more high-end cheeses. But there's a wide variety now that are, that are coming to be available. And so if you don't like one vegan cheese, try another one. Um, and in some cases, you can actually make pizza without any cheese. Some of the best pizza I've ever had has been very simple. You know, like the crust with sage and garlic and I think onions and uh, just like an olive oil. So um, there might also be ways to make foods without any animal products. And, you know, if you do Meatless Monday, you know, maybe one day a week you can also, you know, live without the cheese. And then, you know, if cheese is the hardest thing, you know, do everything else and then deal with the cheese later. You know, so I think there's incremental steps that can be taken wherever anybody is on their own journey. Um, that is that is good advice, and I'm going to check out that shop. And you, I like you mentioned the Bay Area, so I'm I'm here, and I will uh, I'll check that out. Um, yes. Now, I feel like you've done so much for animals over the years, um, and like I mentioned before, Time Magazine called you the conscience of uh, the food movement. Farm Sanctuary, you know, you, you guys have been very successful with it, and and uh, you clearly have like a unique background and, and, and unique platform. So, and, and I know you're based in, in D.C. So, my question is is when will you be announcing your candidacy for president of the United States, Jim? <laughs> right. Oh man, that is such a messy world, isn't it? Politics is crazy. Well, I, I uh, was going to say, if you enter the race today, I guarantee, like, you would you would outshadow, like, half the candidates in the race. You know what I mean? Like, Swalwell would have nothing on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very sweet. I, no, it's, it's the, the political world is such a mess right now, and it is so polarized, and, you know, there are some candidates who are vegan, like Cory Booker, for example, who I think has a message that tries to bring people together. Um, but the political arena is, it's, it's, it's a, it's an unhealthy place right now, I think. And I think a lot of the change is ultimately going to happen in the grassroots, in communities with individuals making conscious choices about the way they live and the way they eat. And then what will happen, I think is that over time, you know, this plant-based movement and this movement of conscience, will sort of well up, and then politicians will, will get on board. You know, so often politicians 
follow more than lead. And I think people who act with conscience and act um, with humanity, uh, you know, that approach, I think, can become contagious. And uh, that's what gets me excited when I think about the changes I've seen over the years and the many changes still to come. That's that's that is really exciting. Uh, there's been a couple of politicians. I, I interviewed a guy named Mike Levin um, from from Southern California last year, and he ended up he ended up getting he ended up winning. And but it stood out so much because when I was interviewing him, I was going through his website and doing a little research, and he was the one politician out of out of probably 25 that I interviewed last year who uh, had animal rights as one of his key issues. And I just thought I I, I was like that is that just stood out to me, but. Um, like I didn't know that Cory Booker was a vegan, and, and that is, uh, it's it's just it's cool to uh, it's cool to hear that. It's cool to you know, I, I guess slowly watch that world get a little bit healthier. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So Cory Booker, you know, he's a, a vegan, and I also recently learned that Adam Schiff is a vegan, a congressman from California. So this way of looking at the world is catching on. And different people do it for different reasons. Some may do it for health. Some may do it for the environment. Some may do it as a, as a matter of social justice because factory farming is really bad uh, to people as well as animals. And uh, sometimes people do it for you know ethical reasons. There's a lot of reasons um, that people come to it. Including politicians. That's that's awesome to hear. Um, where can people can go to farmsanctuary.org to learn more? Um, and and I know you obviously wrote uh, "Living the Farm Sanctuary Life: The Ultimate Guide to Eating Mindfully, Living Longer, and Feeling uh, Better Every Day." Where how else can would you recommend people get involved and um, and kind of join the movement? Yeah, yeah. Well, in many cases now there are these veg fests being held around the country in different communities, like these vegetarian or vegan festivals. So just pay attention to what's happening in your area and, and show up to those. You, you meet many other fellow aspiring vegans or vegans at those. Um, you know, Farm Sanctuary has our website and our social media. I also have, you know, Instagram and, you know, social media uh, for people who are interested in following us that way. Um, but really it's about making daily choices with conscience and recognizing that when we eat, you know, those choices have profound impacts on other animals in the earth. So just being mindful and trying to do better, uh, recognizing that it takes time and that none of us will ever be perfect, not even the most vegan vegan, but just do what you can. You know, small steps ultimately add up and can create a big change over time. See, even when I'm trying to get you to like hit people over the head with a message, you're too kind. You're just, you're like, you know what? Thanks again, Gene uh, Bauer, for, for being my guest on the Justin News Podcast. I really appreciate it. Very happy to do it. Thank you so much, and you have a wonderful day. Today's podcast is brought to you by Howard Dean. Just wanted to make sure you guys didn't forget me. Ha!